Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Chris Terracone. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Michael Barrison, who is charged with the attempted murders of Lauren Kanarek and Robert Goodwin in Long Valley, New Jersey. Kanarek was struck in the chest by two bullets from Barrison's weapon, and as it was undisputed that Barrison fired those shots, his legal team argued that he was not guilty because he was legally insane at the time of the shooting, and in the alternative because he fired those shots in self-defense. In our last episode, we continued to explore the direct examination of Dr. Charles Hassan, a psychologist who observed and performed tests on Michael Barrison within three months of the shooting. On today's installment, we cover the conclusion of Edward Belinkus's questioning of Dr. Hassan and begin our look at the prosecution's cross-examination of the witness. That's all coming up right after the break. 2022 and defense attorney Edward Belinkus continues his questioning of Dr. Charles Hassan. As we ended our last episode, Dr. Hassan began to offer testimony about allegations regarding the online activities of Lauren Kanarek, which prompted prosecutor Christopher Shellhorn to object that there was no evidence of those allegations. In response, Judge Stephen Taylor asked the jury to leave the courtroom for a sidebar conference with the attorneys. After the sidebar, Judge Taylor invites the jury back into the courtroom and delivers his ruling on the objection. I be seated, members of the jury. The objection by Mr. Shellhorn was sustained, and in the last testimony by the doctor will be stricken from the record and you're not to consider it. And the specific testimony is where the doctor said his, his previous testimony where he talked about Mr. Barrison's biggest fear, which was completely delusional in his opinion, was that the children would be taken and killed by Lauren Canarak and Robert Goodwin. That much you can consider. But his follow-up line that it was linked to a specific post, there's no evidence in the record of that, that the defendant ever reviewed any such post according to the doctor's testimony. So that last part must be stricken. You are not to consider it in your deliberations. I go ahead, Mr. Belinkus, continue. Doctor, based on your clinical interviews, psychological testing, and the information that you've reviewed in the record, uh, did you form an opinion with regards to Michael Barrison's state of mind at the time of the incident? Yes, I did. And is that opinion to a degree of psychological medical certainty? Yes, it is. What is your opinion with regards to Michael Barrison's state of mind at the time of this incident? At the time of the shooting, he suffered from a mental disorder, a psychotic break, a delusional disorder, which degraded his thinking to such an extent that he did not know what he was doing was wrong. Did he understand the nature and quality of his actions? No. Nothing further. With Edward Belinkus wrapping up his direct examination, Judge Taylor invites Prosecutor Shellhorn to question the witness. All right, cross-examination. Doctor, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, you're not board certified, are you? 
They don't have board certification, and for psychologists, it's for psychiatrists. Have you ever had any problems with your license? No. Now your CV indicates that you had weekly meetings with uh, Dr. James Wallach yes. in 2010. Yes. He's a lawyer and a clinical psychologist? Yes. What was the nature of your meetings with him? I would go over cases, and I wanted him to serve as a, an attorney to question me hard in terms of what we're talking about, so I get more practice. Why did you start meeting with him on a weekly basis in 2000? I wanted to improve. I've done that over the years with different people. I uh, contacted an expert in uh, on the MMPI, Dr. Cornwall, and I met with him weekly and other individuals that did the same. So what I tried to do in terms of my career, I tried to find someone who is more knowledgeable or better than me, and so to speak, I like to play tennis with them my game. Now your CV indicates uh, that you were a postdoctoral fellow in neuropsychology at Columbia University? Yes. And that's normally a two-year full-time program? It is. And you did the fellowship for you were a fellow for nine months? I, I Yes, I left the program. Had you ever published in any peer-reviewed scientific journals? Uh, I don't know if it's peer-reviewed, but I wrote an article with Arnold Lazarus on multimodal therapy. That was the article from 1990? Yes. What's multimodal therapy? It's a form of cognitive behavior therapy. Uh, it was developed by Arnold Lazarus. He was an eminent uh, psychologist at Rutgers University. And it basically tries to have interventions with multiple components to it, not just one component, but it looks at the broad panoply of possibilities of interventions for a person. And that's based on, or excuse me, that's related to therapy. It's not related to diagnostic uh no it's therapy now you were the chief operating officer for the publishing company that puts put that book out one book there was a book that was written by dr fay prescription for quality relationship and i developed a friendship with him and through him i met dr lazarus now you're a member of the american psychological association yes are you a fellow no do you know what the criteria is to be elected a fellow i don't know would you be surprised if I told you it was based on contributions? Yes, judge, defend the yes and no. He's a member of the association, Judge. He said he didn't. He said he didn't. He didn't. Said he didn't know. Have you ever held any offices with any professional associations? No. Have you ever received any awards from any professional associations? No, I just received the reward from the prosecutor's office in Hudson County on a particular case that I did. So, with respect to your peers. Uh, in these professional organizations, you've never received any awards? No. Now, you indicated that you've testified at trial in the past? Yes. Have you testified for both the prosecution and the defense? Yes. Can you estimate approximately how many times in the last 10 years you've done that? I don't know offhand, but over the, since my career, at least 100 times. For each side? No, not, no, not for each side. Let's say 50-50. Have you ever been hired by the prosecutor or the defense and then given an opinion that's inconsistent with the party that's hiring you? Oh, yeah. Can you estimate approximately how many times no. you've done that in the last 10 Can't years? Can't do that, but uh, I did that with DIFIS, and I did that with the parental representation unit. Now, I saw on your CV that you listed an update you attended at Harvard Medical School in October of 2018. Yes. How many days was that? It must have been four days. Why do you say must have been? It usually runs from like Wednesday to Sunday. So it would be all day Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and half a day on Sunday. And you know how many hours that would be when you say days? Gee, uh, I don't know, eight hours a day? I'm not sure. How would that particular update be different from the continuing education seminars that are listed on page three? Well, the ones that are listed on page three for continuing education were just within forensic psychology. The other ones that are listed was on basically uh, 
dementia, neuropsychology, and psychiatric issues. So that's how I differentiated it. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. After inquiring about Dr. Hassan's continuing education in the areas of his expertise, Prosecutor Shellhorn next asks the witness about his experience as a teacher or instructor in his field. Have you ever given any seminars or presentations to your peers in the field of psychology? I gave uh, two presentations to uh, the fellows at um, Columbia on forensic psychology. So I had testified in the case and the psychiatrist who was Dr. Simmering, he was the director. We were on opposite sides in that particular case. And after I wrote my report, he contacted me and asked me if I would present to the fellows. So I presented for two years. And that was in 2008 and 2009? Mm -hmm. You've never presented at any of the national seminars or anything like that? No, I had no interest. Now, you indicated that you gave a battery of psychological tests to Michael Barrison. Yes. You would agree with me that you would never make a diagnosis based on a psychological test? Correct. Now, you rendered a number of psychological diagnoses for Mr. Barrison? Yes. Would you agree with me that only delusional disorder would affect his ability to know and appreciate the nature and quality of his actions? Yes. However, for the potential problem, that contributes to why he has the delusional disorder, magnifies it. But on its own, it wouldn't affect his ability It participates to in the forming of causing the impact of the delusions. Doctor, would you agree with me that two people can have the same experience but perceive it differently? Totally. And would you agree with me that someone being mistaken about something is not a delusion? No. It's not. It's not a delusion. A delusion is an experience that a person has that is put together in their mind incorrectly. And I gave the example of a, like a delusion. Like for example, Michael Barrison saw a uh, Facebook post. And on the Facebook post, there was an orange color. The orange color generated in his mind the idea of flames, fire. From that, he generated in his mind the notion that uh, his place was going to be burnt down. Okay. So I could look at it, and someone else could look at it and look at it differently, but the way he's thinking about it is disturbed. Well, that wasn't my question. My question was, if someone has a mistake about a fact, or they're mistaken about a fact, does that mean that no. they're delusional? No, if I, if I said to you that Columbus um, came to the New World in 1592, I would be wrong, you know? And that's not a delusion. That's just a statement of fact. Would you agree with me that a feeling is not the same as a delusion. Correct. A delusion is a thought. It generates feelings. Now, I'm going to ask you some questions about what you reviewed and what you didn't review in the case. Uh, but would you agree with me in general that if there was something that you didn't know or something that you didn't account for that you found out was different later on, that could change your opinion? It would influence it. It depends on what it is. I think you indicated that you had reviewed uh, a great deal of the discovery in the case. A lot. Did you review any of the witnesses' recorded statements? Yes, I did. And you indicated that you reviewed the defendant's written statement that he prepared for Dr. Simmering? Yes. And you said where you, you said in your report that that was only 51 pages, that it should be 91. 
Yeah, it's 91 pages, that what, what I saw. However, I thought within that, there were duplicate pages. I can show you all of those pages if you'd like to go through them to check whether there are duplicates or are not duplicates. I would not want to do that now, but I would love to meet with you because I clearly remember reading it and I was remarked, this is so very repetitious. Did you corroborate anything that you read there with any of the other discovery? We would have to be more specific on that, I'm sorry. If you saw something or read something there that was... And look, I have to say this. I don't trust anything that a person says to me. So I, you know, they could claim one thing or another, and I tried to see if there's an agreement. So he would tell me all kinds of things negative about, uh, let's say, Lauren Canarac. And when I looked it up, it was coherent with what he said. The event took place. And you mentioned earlier that you spoke with Dr. Pacone but then you indicated you corrected yourself that that was a typo in your report? Yes. Are you uh, aware that she's not a doctor? Uh, I thought she was a doctor, a psychologist. And your notes actually indicate, your handwritten notes indicate PhD next to her name? Yes. That mean, Where did you get that from? I thought that's what she said, PhD. So you believe when you spoke to Ms. Bacone... I thought she was a psychologist. ...that she told you she had a PhD? Maybe she didn't tell me, but I thought she was a psychologist. I thought she was a doctor. Now, Mr. Uh, Belinkus asked you some questions on direct examination about the discrepancies between your notes and your report and when you actually met with Michael Baritone versus when Yes. And I wrote down on direct examination that you said... I'm going to check and see if my notes are correct, Judge. Okay. Well, he's refreshing his recollection, I suppose. But you don't have to. You don't have to reference what you wrote down. Well, doctor, just ask the question. Did you meet with Michael Barrisone on October 29th, November 5th, November 6th, November 19th, November 20th, December 4th, and December 5th? No, I said. I thought I said December 11th. Well, that's why I'm asking the question. Fourth so, and the 11th. And you acknowledge that that's wrong in your report? No, I acknowledge the fact that the dates I just gave you, or you just read to me, that was the correct dates that I saw him. But that's not what it indicates as far as the contacts and the, the bill that you gave, correct? Correct. Now, I'm going to ask you some questions about the various tests that you administered, doctor. Um, you talked about the Rorschach test. Yes. And you didn't actually administer the Rorschach test to... Edward Belinkus interrupts the prosecutor with an objection. After a brief sidebar conference, Shellhorn rephrases his question for Dr. Hassan. You were asked questions on direct about the Rorschach test. Yes. You scored... Michael Barrisone on the Rorschach using Exner, correct? Yes. That's the Exner system? Yes. Now, there are a number of different scoring systems for the Rorschach test, correct? Yes. And you use the Exner scoring system when you did the score? Yes. Are you aware of the Rorschach Research Council? Yes. You're aware that that was a council that was formed by John Exner himself in the mid-1990s? Okay, yes. And are you aware that that council identified a number of significant problems with the Exner scoring system. Yes. For example, they noted that there's issues with reliability between different scorers. That's with all the Rorschach systems. They indicated that the Exner system was of questionable, questionable validity. Questionable norms. They also indicated that there was no research data that supported the Exner scoring system. I doubt that. Let me show you, if I can, S409 for identification. Uh, in a breakout room, please, Judge, if I could. Sure. It'll appear on that computer screen, sir, once it's pulled up. Doctor, can you oh. see that screen? Okay. That's an article from Psychological Science, correct? Okay. 
And does that indicate or refresh your memory on the first page in that italic type on the left-hand side? The article was written by James Wood, and I like his work. I have his book on the Rorschach. He's very critical of the use of the Rorschach completely. Now, the Rorschach is a very controversial test. There's two systems that exist right now, one by Exner, Exner system, and one by Meyer. There'd be very few people that would agree with you to throw the baby out with the bath. And while I, uh, I tend to support James Wood's analysis of the Rorschach, I think you're going overboard by trying to imply that the system is um, negated by people in the psychological community. So you don't agree that the Exner system has a tendency to find illness that isn't present? That, that, that's, that's a common knowledge on the Rorschach system. It's a common knowledge, right? That but has. that's not the full story. It, it's just not. And doctor, I'm just asking okay. you if you could answer my questions. So do you or do you not agree that the Exner system has a tendency to find an illness that isn't present? That's one point of view on that. That's one point of view. That's not the full panoply of um, views on that. Did you just, uh, who was the individual that you just referenced, doctor? James Wood. I'm going to show you uh, what's been marked as S410. Doctor, is that an article from the Journal of Personality Assessment? Yes. And that was uh, among the other authors listed there are Gregory Meyer? Yeah, I know him. That I know of him. Cited Gregory Meyer in your report? Yes. He has a, another system that's been developed. And he's actually a member of the Rorschach Research Council? Yes. May, and, I, may I say something to you? And he actually developed this additional the, or, or different test the RPAC. Yeah, it's a, a Rorschach system that's different. A lot of these things you're touching on are very controversial. So if you get the book on the Rorschach system by uh, Wood et al., you'll see that um, they imply, I'm not saying this is the case, but they imply that Meyer was bought out, basically, by Exner. He had read, uh, written initially, like in a dissertation, a criticism of the Exner system. Exner then placed him on board with regards to um, his group he was working with, and he changed his opinion. That's, that's the implication in that book on the Rorschach. It's with Gary Lillianfeld, L-I-L-L-I-E-F-E-L-D, Gary Lillianfeld, Wood, and others. So you're heading in, into a very controversial area. Exner, the Exner system is controversial. All the systems are controversial. I think I even referenced that within my uh, report, you know, saying that uh, there's questionable validity on some of these systems. I still think you could use it. So I also referenced a book, which is a legitimate book, on assessment of psychosis. Did you testify today about the potential issues or the validity no, issues with not Exner? at all. Not at all, because that's not the sum and substance of my report. What I was doing is I was taking the information from the Exner that came out, or the, the Rorschach that was scored, and it fits in with other information. It's supported by other information. Now, do you have to pay any fees to use that Exner yes. computer program? All the tests that I did, I had to pay for. So there were approximately $40 a test, maybe a little bit more. Do you have to update that program periodically at all? Uh, it depends on which company you're using. But like basically, you pay per test. And you have to, like for the test from the Psych Corporation, you buy an access for doing the test, and then you pay per test. So it's not for free. Who runs uh, the Exner system now, or the comprehensive system now, that uh, John Exner? He, he passed away. I don't know who's in charge of it. What happened was the family initially said that they didn't want any additional research, but they changed their opinion on that. Are you aware that it's run by his daughter? It could be. 
Did you know that she's not a psychologist or a psychiatrist? To me, I'm be honest, I think you're heading down a bad road because well, it's not as... Doctor, okay. doctor, doctor we're, we're not here to argue. I, I apologize. You, you answer to be, my question. Yes, to be, Mr. Shell, doctor, both of you be quiet. Your role here is not to opine on any road the prosecutor may be going down. That's his decision. Your job is to answer the questions. That's it, to the best of your ability. Now, we got that out of the way. Ask another question, Mr. Shelton. Doctor, I'm going to ask you about the scores that you uh, produced for the Rorschach test in this case. Do you remember the interpretive report that you got after rescoring the, uh, the Rorschach? I don't have it in front of me, but uh, I remember like key elements of it. Specifically, did you list what you considered to be the salient findings in your report? Yes. What's salient mean? Key findings. On page seven, well, I'll show it to you, doctor. Uh, S-435 for identification. Do you have that, doctor? Yes. And you would agree with me that that's the interpretive report for the scores you gave Michael Barrison on the Rorschach? I guess, yes, yes. If I direct your attention down to page seven, specifically under number two, which is about halfway down the page. Would you agree with me that it indicates there that the individual has a potential for impulsiveness? Yes. You didn't include that in your report, did you? I don't know what I wrote on that. I thought that I wrote that he was emotionally unstable. And I can direct your attention, doctor. I see you looking at your report to pages eight and nine. Okay. So you'd agree with me that the Rorschach scoring that, that you did indicated and reflected a potential for impulsiveness, but you didn't include that in your report? Yes. Moving down on S-435, which is the Rorschach uh, on page 8, and I'm going to direct your attention to number 7. Does, does it indicate there this individual exerts less, considerably less control over feelings than most adults? Yes. Does it indicate does not necessarily signify that he is unable to exert self-control and keep his emotions in check, yes. but that he chooses not to do so? Okay. You agree with me, that's from the results that you got from the... That's from that computer printout. And you didn't include that in your report, did no. you? No. Drawing your attention down to page 12, doctor, specifically number 21, does it indicate the individual is excessively committed to seeing the world accurately? Yes. And realistically? Okay. And you would agree with me you didn't put that in your report? No, I don't need to on that. Because for the simple reason that if an individual has a delusional disorder, I did indicate from another reference that it's not going to be picked up by this test. I had a long quote. So here's the thing. If you want to pick pieces out of this report and say it doesn't fit in with everything I've written, the point is, is that I'm looking for things that overlap, that agree with each other. So that's a factor that I use in terms of generating a report. But there's no way that you could write a report and think that you could put every single piece together. You have to use some kind of clinical judgment. Well, you'd agree with me that if there was a common thread here of any of the things we've talked about with these other reports, and other tests rather, and you didn't put it in your report, that that means that you ignored it. I didn't ignore it. I didn't ignore it. I also just said to you previously that I gave a quote from a current book on the assessment of psychosis, and it said that you're not going to be able to pick up delusional disorder on the Rorschach. And if you're trying to imply that just because he has uh, a clear view of reality, that doesn't necessarily follow. You also didn't put any of these quotes in your report or these uh, passages in your report and then distinguish them or differentiate them, did you? I didn't, I don't believe I quoted. I thought I summarized what I saw was in the reports. Well, we just pointed out a number of things that you didn't put in your report, correct? 
you'll find that with every all the testing that's done. And lastly, on page uh, 12 of 13, number 24, you indicated earlier in your testimony on direct examination that the defendant was incapable of understanding the nature and quality of his actions. Yes. Does page 12 indicate the individual is capable of maintaining a connected flow of associations in which ideas follow each other in a comprehensible manner? Okay, but you also recall from, yeah, it says that, but you also recall from a report that said it was a very low number of responses that uh, were produced. I also wrote in my report the least number of responses. You have to have 14 responses. If you have less than 14 responses, you don't have a, a valid profile. And the fewer the responses are, and it's discussed by Wood and his associates, you can push down the pathology. I mentioned that in my report. So you need to take that into account, that you could have a suppressed level of pathology in it, given the fact that the number of responses were very low. And I think my question was just that that was a indication that you received from the test and from the scores, but that you didn't include that in your report. But I just said that you could read this, but if you also know how many responses are given in the score, and I have a section of the report, that you can have a spuriously low sign of pathology in the report, given you have very few responses. All right, Doctor, let's move on to the MMPI, the MMPI-2. Did you rescore this test? I ran it through the computer. Now, I think you testified on direct examination about the MMPI-2, correct? Yes. And you testified in particular with respect to scale six. Can you remember, or can you remind the jury what scale six Scale is? six measures paranoia. And it's fair to say that none of these scale titles, the names, shouldn't be interpreted literally. No, you should look further into the test. You should look at the subcomponent scores, PA1, PA2, PA3. PA1 shows delusional thought content of a very serious nature. And, and doctor, I'm just asking you about scale six. Yes. So scale six is titled paranoia. Yes. But it doesn't literally mean that it's testing paranoia. Well, it's just said literally that you have to look at other scales on there. If, if you literally look at other <coughs> experts in the field, they're going to say it measures delusional disorder, a score of 90. So the high score of, of 90 on scale six, you would say is indicative of someone with delusional disorder? Yes. And not just simply on that. I also... And, and, and doctor, All right, okay. just, please don't get ahead of me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, isn't it true that people with high scores on scale six rarely endorse the existence of delusions? I don't believe that at all. I've never seen that. Who is uh, James Butcher? Oh, I know James Butcher. He's one of the MMPI uh, uh, figures. And I think you cited him in your report as well, correct? I might have. He's a reputable yes. person in, with respect yes. to the MMPI too. Uh, have you ever looked at his book using the MMPI two in forensic assessment? No. Judge, if I may approach, sure. I don't have this marked as an exhibit. All right, well, what's the next exhibit number, just so we have a reference? I believe it's S-454. S-454. Counsel, was that turned over to us? Do you have an objection, Mr. Belenkis? Come to sidebar. With Judge Taylor calling for a sidebar conference, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Michael Barrison. Join us on our next installment as we conclude our look at the testimony of psychologist Dr. Charles Hassan. If you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracon. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and the trial audio is courtesy of Law & Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Michael Barrison. <laughs>